Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Take Flight Podcast, episode number 183. And we are back with your four favorite hosts, Daniel Johnson, Oluokanola, Pabilo Timbo, and I, Shul Ahmed. Now, we're back with a very exciting group discussion where this week we'll, we will be talking about everything to do with leadership and specifically leadership in 2023, and what does good look like now? Now, it seems like post-pandemic, the environment just seems still just as unpredictable as ever. On one hand, inflation is still high, rates are there, interest rates are at the highest they've been in decades, with consumer confidence now flagging as well. On top of this, you layer job cuts across multiple industries, geopolitical uncertainty, as well as ongoing tensions just remaining high across the globe. Now, with this environment in mind, we wanted to discuss leadership and what does good leadership look like against this backdrop across different industries. Specifically, the industries that we'll be looking at this week are the FMCG, so the fast-moving consumer goods industry, real estate, and technology. What we'll do is we'll share examples of what, what we think good leadership looks like in those particular segments, as well as lessons that we can all take away from it. And then at the end of the episode, we'll be reflecting a little bit on our own personal leadership moments in our respective careers so far, and sharing what we think are moments from our own careers that we believe are even more pertinent today in this current environment. Now, before we hit the music, a small ask on behalf of the team, if you can follow and subscribe us if you can, follow and subscribe to us on whichever platform that you're listening to us on, and even better, leave a review. This will help us a lot and mean the world to us and continue to help us grow. Now, with that, let's hit the music and get into today's episode. Guys, great to see all of you. How are you all doing? Pabila, you are the closest to my to my side. So, P, how, how are things on your end? As always, well, I'm great. The family's great. Uh, just, I think in the recent week or so since we last recorded, just been perfecting the daily routines, which, as we know, is very vital for just general progress. So, um, but yeah, in great spirits and just looking forward to going from strength to strength in all areas of life. Good to hear, P. And it seems like the um, post-Ramadan, every episode we record, the, the jawline's starting to come back. So it looks like good <laughs> progress. <laughs> This <laughs> is a good progress in, in that track. <laughs> uh, and then actually on that, talking about jawlines, let's go to Oluokanola. I don't know if anyone follows uh, Olu on Instagram, but he's been posting a lot of topless shirts in the last few uh, last few uh, weeks, I'd say. Topless shirtless pictures. Um, so Olu, on, on the topic of jawlines, how, how are you doing? Looking healthy as, as ever? I am good. Cannot complain. Um, if you're based in the UK, we've had... Um two sort of bank holidays or long bank holiday weekends. So it's been sort of four day work week. Um, so it's just been quite amazing. Um, spending quite a lot of time with family and friends. Um, I went to the theater um, this weekend to watch a show called um, For Black Boys Who Have Considered Suicide When um, Things Get Too Heavy. Um, and it was really, really good show. Um, went with uh, a bunch of friends of mine um, I think it's great where you start to get some form of representation in theatre. So this was West End Theatre. Uh, beautiful, right? Seeing all the Black people there watching, enjoying. Um, it's obviously a tough topic, um, the the actual um, theatre show, but it mixed a serious topic with comedy and humour really well. So great time, great fun. Um, 
yeah, I'm looking forward to my next trip. I don't have anything planned yet, but hopefully then I can upload some more topless pictures for you. Sure. <laughs> And I think on behalf of the, the the female followers of the podcast and yours, I'm sure everyone's very happy to to hear that. But good to see you recharged and uh, and refreshed. Um, and actually, with that, let's go to Mr. Transatlantic Johnson. That's his new nickname after spending probably equal time in America and, and the UK. Daniel, how are you back in, in the UK? And I'm sure you have another trip planned soon. What to do, what to do, yeah. All good, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, Daniel, come on. You got you got to do better than that. Come on, yeah, much better than that. I can do better than that. It's just the fact that I was trying. I, I was thinking about it too much. Um, but yeah, that's that's yeah, that's worse than my French. That's worse than my French um, last episode. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm I'm all good. Um, yeah, like what I said, been a couple of bank holiday weekends in the UK, and I spent most of those with family and friends, which was um really good. Seeing some old family, and um, just enjoying time away from work and being able to spend it before my next trip so yeah been all good and how about yourself Joel? how are you yeah on my end all all good daniel thanks for for asking it was the yes we had the the bank holidays which were which were nice and then it was the first time traveling i've been to italy before uh, but the first time traveling with uh, my wife so it was nice to show her around milan and we also had the chance to spend a bit of time in uh, lake como as well for a few few days so overall a great trip too much pasta too much ice cream and too much pizza but it was a good experience overall and it's nice to to be back and getting into the the flow of things so thank you for for asking daniel uh, and i think with that i think everyone looks recharged refreshed to a certain extent so now to get into this week's episode as, as mentioned in the intro there's there are there are a lot of reasons for there to be uncertainty at the moment inflation interest rates going up cost of living crisis uh, jobs being reduced across large companies across multiple industries and we thought it'd be a good chance to reflect a little bit on, on on leadership because ultimately it's leadership during this period that can get things done very well you know and can also help lead companies or countries through this turbulent period to hopefully get on the other side of it and be in a stronger position so with, with this week's episode we wanted to try something a little bit different uh, each of the guys in the episode have been given a segment to to focus on and to share with us their view as to why this particular segment or a leader in this segment uh, has demonstrated good leadership and why it's even more important in this era that we find ourselves now uh, and also if they can reflect a little bit and think is there anything that they would do anything differently in this particular scenario or if they wanted to um uh, take this particular approach of example that they wanted to share and then at the end once we've gone through all the the industries with the with the three gentlemen at the end to wrap up we'll share our own per personal leadership lessons which we think are even more important now in this current environment that we are uh, experiencing ourselves in so I think with that, uh, the guys have done a lot of prep work for this episode. So I'm looking forward to hearing their their insights and also getting the chance to get more out of the insights from from the discussion today. Uh, let, let's go to Pabilo, Pabilo first, our resident real estate expert uh, and also uh, a personal finance guru. Uh, P, let us know uh, who or which leader that you've decided to pick within the real estate segment and why do you believe that's a sign of good leadership? Yeah, sure, sure. I love your... So just to P, P. Pete, just before you do that, sure, sorry, I feel like you've stitched me up because you said doing extensive research. You told me not to spend more than five minutes on this. So, you know, I went with that suggestion. Yeah, but Daniel, just to, just to say, right, five minutes of your extensive research <laughs> is the equivalent of a normal human's 120, 120 minutes. Is I've seen how you work. I see how you operate, right? 
Um, right, Pete, why don't you? It's all be good. I think we're we're sweating way too much about this. Um, So, Pete, over over to you. Set us up for a good foundation for this episode. Yeah, no, sure. So, the leader that I've um, been following for some time now, and I I picked and thought will be part of a good discussion, is a gentleman called Barry Sternlit. And just as a backdrop, he's the co-founder and CEO of Starwood Capital Group. Um, So, before going into sort of why I've I've picked Barry, um, just to share a little bit more about the company itself. So. Starwood Capital is an investment firm with currently today over 115 billion assets under management. They primarily in sort of in real estate investments, primarily in, in multifamily, but also have public listed companies such as Starwood Property Trust and Starwood Hotels. Some of their brands that people may know of, um, W Hotel, St. Regis Hotel, the Luxury Collection. So just to give you a sense and idea of sort of the magnitude at which um, he's sort of organizing and running. And they're ranked sort of number three just behind Blackstone and Brookfield uh, Global Asset Management. So for me, the reason why I, when you, when was looking at this conversation, Barry came to mind was because for two reasons. For one, um, firm thought leadership in his space. And number two, this element and theme around showing up. So I've, I've found that over the last sort of 18 months, well, actually from the pandemic till now, he's been a very consistent and reliable thought leader in the US market when it comes to real estate and providing general insights on the economy. So very, very outspoken on, on media outlets and news channels, sharing his views in a very, which, which is very educated in a very formal and, and concise way. And I, feel, and I feel someone of his position who is managing um, 115 billion of assets doesn't have to be as available, doesn't have to sort of show up and, 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 and you know, um, share his thinking. But I, but I appreciate, you know, someone of that level actually stepping in and sharing. And I think a couple of reasons why people can sort of do their research after today's conversation and just see and to get a sense, especially if you're in a real estate space. But I think he does a really, really good job in doing a couple of things. One, bringing in the understanding of how politics, uh, especially in the US, impacts the economy and how decisions that are made between either, either you know, red or blue and how that impacts different sectors. Um, I think he's been very vocal in, in the last few months around the Fed and the decisions that they've made in terms of raising interest rates and how that impacts um, asset and different classes. Talks about the employment, employment, importance of employment, rising wages, um, having better education in, in the US system. So it, it's a great blend of all of the things that matter in the economy and hearing it from an expert standpoint view. So that for me, I think, as to why I've, in, in summary, in very short, as to why I believe Barry Sternlet is actually a good leader in this space. I can't speak too much about the actual operations in the business. Of course, they're doing deals like all of the other top asset management firms. But in terms of his ability to actually share educated, thoughtful um, opinions, I think he does a really, really good job. And I think actually, if you're if you're looking for like a like an MBA crash course, right, in real estate in the economy, he's definitely someone sort of you can sort of go to. So. That's sort of my, you know, um, high level thinking as to um, why Barry Sternlit for me is, is I would consider to be a good leader, go to person to listen to in, in today's current climate. Um, and he's shown that consistently since the pandemic um, and, and yeah, and onwards. Yeah, I love that example, Pete, because I think um, in, in real estate, uh, especially depending on people's different levels of, of knowledge, that may not be a name that comes specifically to mind. Uh, so I think it adds a real international perspective. And also for the listeners, I think what's great in the example that Pabila has just shared and some of the key messages that are coming through about looking at the wider picture and the political scenario and how this ties with your respective business, 
being consistent, just showing up. I mean, these are pretty basic concepts, but the ones that seem to do the basics very well, like this example that Pabila has shared, are the ones that really stand stand out. And it becomes even more important during a period where there is so much uncertainty in the market, whether it's politically or geopolitically, etc. And the real estate industry, I mean, that's an industry that is definitely getting hit probably the hardest at the moment with all the uncertainty. I guess the question for you, P, um, in terms of when you were looking at Barry and the way that he comes across in these interviews and discussions, is there anything that you would do differently uh, from your own leadership journey that you're going on? Or is there anything that really specifically resonated with you the most where you thought, okay, this is something that I would definitely double down on because it really speaks to my personal style? I think my biggest takeaway when when following Barry over the last sort of couple of years and, and now is the importance of if if I consider myself to be a real estate investor, understand the importance that other parts of the economy play a role within that asset class. So not to be so laser focused in just understanding real estate and and looking at that particular news channel, but understanding decisions that are made at Parliament, decisions that are made across the economy have an impact. So I think it's almost like being able to raise your skill level and understanding how different components within the economy impact your, 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 your real estate. That's been my biggest um, takeaway. And I think maybe to, to another part of your question was around um, what I think about what he could do differently or something in that thinking. Honestly, I think, I think someone of his um, intelligence, I think, I think it's a real skill to be able to translate and spell complex information in a way that, I think most people can understand it. Some form of, of masterclass and school would be great to see over the long term, because I think um, you can really pick up a lot within a short space of time and listening to people like him who can speak in such a way that can help you in your journey. So I think so I think I say, you know, I think he's done a great job in showing up um, and consistently doing that. Can he then move moving forward? What he could do differently is um, or consider is rolling out some sort of masterclass education program for um the world not just the us because his business is global perfect great great examples p and thanks for for sharing and setting us us up with the with the first example um, i think with that let's transition to another different segment or or industry i think uh, daniel let's go over to you uh, which segment is it that you would like to discuss and what is it about that specific uh, example that you wanted to highlight for us today yeah, sure. So I'm looking at FMCG, which stands for Fast Moving Consumer Goods. And just to set the scene before I, I, I delve into delve in deeper into which um company um I am gonna share, I thought it would be apposite for me to share the top 10 within this industry. So starting at number 10, we have L'Oreal, Coca-Cola, number eight, Tyson Foods, seven um Ab in Abev, six Unilever, five JBS. Four Nestle, three Procter and Gamble, number two PepsiCo, and number one, in which I'm the majority shareholder, Johnson and Johnson. So yeah, that's the reason why I chose Johnson and Johnson because, of course, it shares the last my my last name. Um, you know, the company so good they had to think twice. Johnson and Johnson, a family company. Um, so that's the company I chose. No jokes aside, no, that was the that's the company I chose because it was number one within the industry. No other reason than that to be to be completely honest with you. Um, but what is quite notable about Johnson & Johnson is, for those who don't know, well, most of, most of, well, I would I'll be remiss of me not to think that everyone has heard of Johnson & Johnson, but the majority of the people have. I know um, Olu certainly has for that Johnson Old Baby lotion to, to rub up on his body before he goes onto the beach for those um, topless pictures. 
Daniel, um, Daniel, this is this is this is a this is a family friendly podcast. Yeah, this is this is a family <laughs> friendly try podcast. That, try to keep that Daniel, image out of your it, mind. You're making it you're making it very explicit for the listeners, but please please carry on. I had to just give the family warning for any of the listeners. So yeah, so Johnson Johnson have, are very much a household name. They have many different products, um, but for those who may not know, they have three main categories. So that would be consumer healthcare, medical devices, and pharmaceuticals. Um, and it's a US-based company headquartered in New Jersey and has almost 250 subsidiaries with in 60 countries worldwide. It has a very diversified business across sectors like pharmaceuticals, medical devices, as well as the consumer health products. Um, and its pharmaceutical segment is responsible for developing and manufacturing prescription drugs to treat a range of disease and conditions, which has made it very successful because we all know that the pharmaceutical industry is um, a lucrative and generates a vast amount of revenues um, year on year. With its medical devices um, made by the company, including surgical instruments, orthopedic products and cardiovascular devices, some of the company's well-known medical devices include blood glucose meter, a hip replacement system, and its consumer health segment produces over-the-counter products such as Band-Aids and Listerine. Uh, many people didn't know Listerine was actually a Johnson Johnson product. I certainly didn't. Um, and these um, products are very much designed to treat common ailments and promote overall wellness. It's, um, you know, I'd say contrary to popular belief, it actually has a reputation for being a socially responsible company and has been recognized for its commitment to sustainability and CSR. I say that, um, I say, you know, popularly, um, contrary to popular opinions, because last year, I believe it was August, where there was... Um, there were they um sorry Johnson and Johnson mentioned in August last year that they were going to stop baby powder containing mineral talc um this year in 2023 and switching to a formulation based on cornstarch. The reason being is many people thought that the baby powder and the talc was linked to ovarian cancer, and the company faced over 40,000 lawsuits within the US um, of this allegation. And Johnson and Johnson didn't dispute that; they didn't confirm it but they did not attribute the switch based on the controversy. And as of, I believe, last month, April 2023, the company offered to pay $8.9 billion to settle the tens of thousands of claims. And I think when you look at you know what their products are versus what people are claiming their products to, to cause, it's a very, very big deal. Um, and I think when you look at the F, um, look at the group in, in, in whole, FMCG, you see some very, very big names. And I think for Johnson Johnson to be ranked number one when you when your when your peers are Coca-Cola, L'Oreal, um, PepsiCo, Nestle, Nestle, which has over thousands, I think over 600 products, they are doing very well. Um, and I think that diversified group of that the sorry, I think that the diversified portfolio has enabled them to be very successful. And when we think about 2023 or to date. Their revenue is 94 billion um, over 90 rands. And I think that's very, very tremendous to get 90 billion in the first couple of months. And one thing to mention is that they changed hands of their CEO beginning of 2022. Um, and that was Joaquin um, Duato. I hope I'm pronouncing the surname correctly. But he moved from being the former vice chairman to the executive committee to becoming CEO. So with his leadership, I'm sure they've been able to continue being ranked number one. 
And it'll be interesting to see whether they can keep that number one spot for years to come. Although I'm somewhat have an opinion on rankings. I feel that rankings often makes you compete with other people rather than focusing on what you do well. Meaning that if everyone's doing bad and you're still ranked number one, you're just the best of the bad bunch. But if you focus on you know, producing your products, focus on sticking to your core mission, your vision, I think that over time, you'll be the best within your peer group anyway, because you're focusing on you know, moving from zero to one in a very, very good way. Great. Now, thank you, Daniel, for the uh, for the great summary of one of the, the best named companies, of course, from from your your perspective, which makes complete sense. I think the, the lessons that I was reflecting on with your with your great explanation, Daniel, was really about size being very important in the corporate space, especially in an environment where things will go up and down. Typically, you see a lot of consolidation in some of the big bigger players so probably now in this environment it's better to be one of the larger companies than one of the smaller ones and then also that diversification element that you mentioned daniel where if you've got a company like johnson johnson the great examples that you provided having that diversification can help you absorb some some ups and downs i guess my question for you was around that diversification versus actually being very focused on one particular business in this particular environment where there is so much uncertainty. Of course, it has different pros and cons. Uh, but from your perspective, if you were leading J&J today, where do you think you'd be placing your bets? Would you continue the diversification in this environment? Or would you want to double down on your, your best uh, producing assets or, or companies or, or products? I think I would continue to spend equal time um, amongst all of them. Because when you look at the consumer arm of the their healthcare business, their shares jumped first day of trading um, after this IPO. I think it, it was um, around 22.3% on the first day of trading IPO. And that was in 2023 um, because there's not under, it's obviously under the Johnson Johnson name, but it's a different sort of arm. But I think that shows the, you know, the from investors to invest in a publicly listed stock, but also I think it would be very naive to focus on one particular arm because of the pandemic, given how uncertain times can be, I think it makes more sense to ensure that, you know, it's not always going to be 33% split across the three business areas. Some days, or sorry, some seasons and maybe, you know, an unequal, unequal split, but it's imperative that they continue to keep at least the three, the, the three legs of the tri-board standing to ensure success for the long term. Okay, perfect. Great. Thanks a lot for, for sharing your 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 thoughts and, and opinions, Daniel. Much appreciated. So I think with that, to wrap up the 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 different segment views we wanted to take and examples, Olu, you'll be focusing on technology, I I believe. So who is it or which company is it that you've decided to to highlight and what is it about their leadership that really spoke to you? Yeah, and I think because we're focusing on 2023, um, that I wanted to sort of narrow into that element as well. But I would maybe open it up for you guys and ask you, um, what would you say is the number one tech company at the moment? What's one thing that you it's, can't live with? But in what's but okay, what's the way you put it? That was there's only one answer. Only one answer. Huh? What's that? Oxygen. Oxygen. Is, it, is, is a company charging you for oxygen? Is a company charging you for companies charging you for oxygen? The, 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 the UK government. The UK government. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's Apple. Yeah, for sure. It's Apple. So I started off by selecting, okay, which leader by first, similar to what Daniel did, was I looked at the particular industry, so tech companies, and said, okay, based on market cap, what are the top 
five companies. So you've got Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and NVIDIA, right? And then I said, okay, let me focus on number one and research into sort of Tim Cook, who's the CEO of Apple and understand, okay, what is his leadership style and why is he being so successful? So I think one of the factors that we've got to take into consideration is he took over from Steve Jobs, who was already a successful CEO and Apple was doing really successful, right? Um, unfortunately, he passed away, but in sort of 2011, um, Tim Cook took over from Steve Jobs. Now, that's already a lot of pressure to come in and replace someone that's very innovative and continue to make a company successful, right? So I first tried to understand, okay, when looking at a leader, what are some of the things a leader should be focused on? And then I tried to match it alongside Tim Cook to see, okay, does he meet these or when is he being able to represent or show some of these attributes, right? So the first one, and I think the most important one is innovation. And I think that's something that Apple continuously does. Maybe it might not be with the iPhone um, per se, but they've looked at, okay, what are other ways that we can innovate? So if it's with the new chip that they have, the M1 chip, if it's through what they've just released, the Apple card and Apple Pay, nowadays I use my wrist and my phone to pay for everything, right? Um, even they just introduced out, now they're planning to do a savings rate of, I think it's 4, 4.15% savings rate that they're going to give with their Apple card, which is another way because you're thinking they're innovating away from just mobile phones now to banking per se, right? So he's shown and proven that he can innovate in that sense. The next thing that you look at is, okay, let me understand what is that person's leadership style, right? And looking at him and his leadership style, I think he's really representing operational expertise. Right. And I think that is one thing investors love about Apple It's the reason why Apple continuously um, goes up in value. And this is not again, this is not investment advice, but it's because he's always trying to say, OK, how can I look at the operations and improve it? One of the big things that he sort of worked on and um, they did operationally was how did they manage the inventory? So how did they look at the inventory? So. With the financials, like one of the great things he's implementing is really looking at the supply chain and how to create an inventory system called just-in-time. So that means they don't have to have all this inventory, excess inventory. And if you're a financial person, you know the inventory, having excess inventory would mean that you have higher costs, you have lower liquid um, liquidity, so you're spending your cash. These are all great things that investors want to make sure that a business is managing. So you can imagine, and I think when you look at the previous founder and CEO, Steve Jobs, right, he was great at innovating, but he wasn't also like he wasn't really detailed oriented when it came to the business operations and ensuring that what the shareholders care about, you actually see or feel. Um, the next piece that I try to focus on um, is in, in regards to diversity and inclusion, right, within these massive organizations. And if I look at Apple, right, I think the women diversity across the um, globe is around 40%. If I look at their board seat, right, so I'm not only looking at their diversity within the organization, but also on their board, they includes four women and three people of color, 
within there as well. So he's not only focusing on the financials, the innovation, he's also focusing on diversity. Um, and then lastly, is really the future of technology, right? Who is innovating the, new, the future of in, uh, technology? A lot of times we think about Elon Musk, but I think Apple plays a massive role there. I think you see with their R&D spend, they spend a significant amount on R&D. You know that they're trying to innovate with the glasses, the goggles, which they've, they're talking about. They've also talked about potentially going into the um, car manufacturing space, um, which potentially they'll do in the future. Um, AI is a big element that they do as well. So he's always thinking about, okay, where is the future going and where should my organization start to prepare for? And then lastly is really their social impact, right? And I think the last few years, Apple has done a massive, a tremendous um, amount of work around privacy, right? Um, it's impacted so many different companies. Um, I know Facebook hated Tim Cook at that particular time, but he understood the importance of customers having their privacy um, and holding on to their data, right? So a lot of people can turn around and say that might not have been good for business. He could have probably made more money by taking people's data, taking people's information. But he sort of understood that the importance on a social standpoint um, there. But I'll pause there and show if you have any questions. Um, I'm more than happy. But that's why I chose Tim Cook. Love it, Olu. And I think you gave some great examples that anyone can apply in, in any industry, especially at a high level. And I think that key message that kept coming across in your a decision to choose Tim Cook of Apple about this operational excellence component. And that probably is a reason why they've been able to really push ahead during the pandemic mm -hmm. without having to do global restructurings like other tech companies and essentially manage their business well and still innovate. I guess my question for you, Olu, and this is a question that, mm -hmm. that many people could consider during this time period, mm -hmm. where when the, the going gets tough, interest rates start going higher, the, the looking at the cost allocation starts to become even more extensive. Mm. Is this a period where if you if you owned Apple and you own 50% of Apple today, as a shareholder of the company, would you want someone who's looking to extract even more revenue out of every customer, mm. like you could argue Tim Cook is trying to do? Mm. Or would you want a Steve Jobs innovator continuing to innovate during this particular environment that we find ourselves in? As a shareholder, what, what CEO would you prefer and which style would you prefer of the two? So I think the way I look at this is during the high interest rate environment, the question you always need to ask yourself is when interest rates are higher, are you able to use the cash? So um, Amazon has got a large cash pool. Are you able to either use that cash to innovate and create new products, right? Um, that gives a higher return than what interest rates are. Or... Can you or do you return that back to the shareholder? And I think what Apple's done is try to be in the middle of that. So they do um, dividends payments to their shareholders. So that's their way of saying, you know what? Potentially, we feel like we've got too much money and too much capital, right? Oh, sorry, too much cash in the company. So instead of us increasing our prices, instead of us sort of wastefully innovating because i think when you do have a lot of cash sometimes you say let's just throw darts money at every problem i think that was what happened with uh, meta and facebook where they said we've got so much cash let's now do the metaverse right 
and we're not hearing about the metaverse anymore and potentially they're going to go back to to facebook in the future but maybe what would have been better in that particular time is returning the money back to your shareholders through dividends and making them make a decision of do they want to in a, like invest that money into a more uh, fast-paced growth company at the early infancy stage or do it in a more stable company and i think Apple is now turning into a more, it's moved sort of away from that aggressive growth and it's more like a cash cow, which returns money to the investors and then they can make a decision there. So for me personally, I would prefer that just because of how big Apple is now. So when you become that big, unfortunately, you can't just throw a crazy amount of money and try to innovate and how much their stocks are in pension funds and places that they need to protect and ensure that it doesn't crash or reduce um, significantly. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. Great perspective, Zolu. And I think because everyone knows you as our resident oil and gas expert and guru, I don't think anyone will be surprised <laughs> by that answer in terms of leading towards the dividend-heavy approach. Um, but great, great examples, guys. And I think as, as already mentioned, these are a lot of lessons that we can also carry through, whether it's real estate, looking at the bigger picture, connecting it with what's going on on the wider landscape, whether that's in the FMCG sector, bigger is better, try and have a diversified business while also consolidating that strength as being market leader number one, or whether that's um, looking as, as, as Apple, as a CEO of Apple and really prioritizing operational excellence while also giving an element of innovation wherever you can to, of course, uh, keep your shareholders happy. So some really great examples, guys. So thanks a lot for, for sharing. Then to, to go into the final chapter of today's episode where we wrap up, um, the question for you guys is, on this topic of, of leadership, what leadership lesson is it that you've experienced in your career? This could be um, in the role of being... This could be in the role of being led by someone else where you've thought, okay, wow, this has been a great experience for me. Uh, or it could have been an experience of you yourself in a leadership role or project or period where there was a lesson that you learned personally and you thought, okay, this I can definitely apply. It'd be great to hear at least one example per person and why you think that particular experience is relevant today more, more than ever. Maybe for this, we can go in reverse order. So Pabi, Olu, let's go with you first and then we we, we go around. Pabila got worried. <laughs> he was, when you said, he was like, wait, 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 I started no, off. <laughs> yeah, no, because I've got, I've got a couple of points, more than one. Um, so I wanted, well, to kick off, I wanted to kick off, but go ahead, Olu. Yeah, let's sure. go in reverse order this time. I'll do so mine really quick. Um, I think mine is um, more personal and it's just in regards to a leader or a manager is only as good as the team around him or her. Um, and I think me and you have to just protect and bat for your team. Um and I think that's sort of what I've taken into starting my leadership role right now is I've got to look after my team, right? Um, and my job as a leader is one, to remove any roadblocks for them, to make them be able to excel and succeed, and then really spend more time just strategically and sharing the vision, right? And I think so many times through my corporate work, corporate life or career, I've had people that will micromanage and they're actually creating more barriers than removing it out the way. So for me, and I think all the leaders that I researched and looked at, right? So Tim Cook, I also looked at Jeff Bezos, um, Elon Musk, right? 
a lot of their success is based on the people they surround uh, surround themselves with and having their leadership team. Without a great talented team, oh, there's no way you're succeeding in anything in anything in life. So that's will be my sort of big point. Love it. Great, great examples to to open open the discussion. With that, let's go to Daniel. Do you want to go next? Yeah, no, I think that was a great one, Bodhi. That was definitely on my list of what I think is a good leader. And I think there are many different, I would say, skills that make a good leader. But the one I chose specifically was um, to talk less and to listen more. Um, and I think this is very pertinent for a new leader in particular. I think when a good leader understands when to retreat, listens to the contribution of others and considers, considers those ideas and suggestions when making decisions, is you know it, it yields great fruit. And being able to observe a situation from a different perspective other than just yours, because within a team, you don't want just, you know, a diverse, walk, um, a diverse walk for, workforce. You also want a diverse range in experience. And that can really help you to overcome challenges, just like Olu alluded to in, in building a great team. And also when, usually when a team member feels like they have a voice and that you respect their opinion, it makes it easy for them to build trust and ad adopt your suggestions. I've had this experience firsthand. I will implement this when um, I've been a leader. I don't think this is specifically for the workplace. I think this is also applicable in a household. Um, being able as a parent to listen to your child, um, I think is, is really good. And that's something I had growing up as well. So I think being able to, to talk less and to listen more, it doesn't mean you don't speak. It doesn't mean you don't, doesn't, you don't share your vision. It just means you have the ability to listen to take into account others, other viewpoints. And it doesn't mean you have to implement those viewpoints. It just means at least you've taken it into consideration. You can discard it, you can use it. But when someone feels heard, they usually, or they tend to trust you a lot more. So that's what um, my leadership lesson would be. Love it, Daniel. And I think it perfectly complements the, the point that Oli was making about ensuring that you've got the best team around you and surrounding yourselves with great people. And then on top of that, if you surround yourself with great people, but you're not listening to them uh, and you're just talking to them, then it's a bit irrelevant having that team around you. So I think once you've got that great team, listening to Daniel's advice of ensuring that you're asking them for their opinion is really fantastic advice and perfectly complements Olu. So thanks a lot, Daniel, for, for sharing. And actually, a, a decent ratio to think about is there's there's a reason why we, we've been given two ears and one mouth, and it's to basically make sure we listen uh, double than the amount we, we speak. So I think with that, that gives us a great transition to Pabilo. Pabilo, what is it that you would like to, to share in terms of a personal leadership moment that you think is relevant today? Yeah, I've, I've, I've... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, sure, you definitely applied that that strategy in this episode. How do you sure I get away with this episode? <laughs> yeah, no, man. <laughs> well, it's just... Let me just wrap up what you guys just said. Let me just cool it up in a little break. Okay, let me now move in. I'm just this guy. Well, got the thing is, only to, only to his defense, he had to travel over, over the weekend, innit? So it was more. <laughs> I still had to set this solid agenda, guys. And yeah, you, you guys are saying such great points. So it's all it's 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 perfect. Yeah. The thing is, yeah. Um, so for me, I've, I've got so many points I would love to share because this topic is so close to heart. But um, sticking with the rules, the the leadership um, trait that I would like to bring forward, which I've, um, I think I've when I've considered some of the best leaders I've worked under, are leaders who are actually committed to putting a development plan uh, ahead for you, 
right? So they have a so they've 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 discussed with you when you come into the role. You know, I would like you know making an first an assessment. Where are you today? Where would you like to be? Your strengths, your weaknesses, and kind of creating a roadmap for your own personal development. Because I think as an individual, you lack that type of uh, rigorous planning, and then creating a process where every three to six months they're checking in with you to help you understand okay this is what we kind of agreed and this is where I'd like to see you and I think and I think also on that I think the biggest most important component is a leader that's actually preparing you to exit into another position or into another team a lot of times what you will find or what is unfortunate is where you're a real high performer within a particular team and the the person above you actually is just interested in keeping you where you are and I love to see leaders that are actually not scared to bring a talent in cultivate them, grow them, and then move them on, knowing that they're actually going to have a gap to fill. But that's what makes them a great leader. So I think the development plan and progressing an individual to, the, to he or she's next stage, I think is a great aspect um, as and characteristic as a leader. And, and I think for, for any of the, the people that are listening to, to the episode, whether you're leading a team as well at the moment or leading a project or an initiative, I think during this period when there are periods of uncertainty where people may not be sure of their role or sure of the company's future, as a leader, if you're able to step up, as Pavila has mentioned, and really put a development plan and still push for someone's development during this period of uncertainty, I think that really separates the great leaders versus the leaders that are probably just there to to collect a paycheck so i think it's a great great example p to to highlight i think for this section i have an example also that i wanted to to share um not to leave all the hard work to you guys i think the example that i wanted to share ollie you actually took one of them the other example was around during this period of uncertainty continue to push yourself to be uncomfortable now one of the first managers that i had in my corporate career a one mantra that she gave was always to continue to seek uncomfortable situations professionally and personally, because during those periods, that's really where you learn the most. And I think all of us can probably speak to roles that we've taken, assignments that we've taken, entrepreneurial ventures that we've done, which have made us feel a little bit uncomfortable. But on the back end of it, you've really grown the most. And actually, it's during these periods of uncertainty where you're not really sure what the next 12 months or 18 months look like having those experiences in the past of going through those uncomfortable periods and what you've learned and taken away from actually puts you in a much stronger position than if you've always taken the more comfortable, easier option during the last two, three, four, ten years. When things start to get a bit uncertain, then you really start to lose yourself. So I think that's the the lesson that I was taught very early on in my career from an amazing leader. And it's something that I've tried to continue to keep applying both personally and and professionally. So I think, guys, with that, a great, great episode. Thank you all for the uh, the great research beforehand, guys. Really appreciate it. I hope you as the listeners have also enjoyed this episode. We've tried to mix up the, the format a little bit to uh, keep everyone engaged and also change the um, the preparation for the episodes going in as well. Let us know how you, how you found the episode. But I think for me, as a host of this particular episode, I have really enjoyed it. So thank you guys for, for making it enjoyable for me. Uh, I think with that, I'll pass it over to Daniel to, to close up the episode. Yeah, great. Thank you for all for listening to this episode, episode 184. Um, we hope you have a, a great week ahead. Find us on all platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. And you can also also find us on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, and also YouTube. Just search Take Flight Podcast. And please feel free to drop a comment or give us any feedback on this platform as well. Until next week, stay safe. God bless. Take off, take flight with you. Before we never fly away.